Hello everyone, welcome to Autistic Adventures. I'm Cass. Today is episode 21 and today I wanted to talk a little bit about ways to support your autistic spouse, partner, friend, basically any adult autistic in your life. Um, You know, the only reason why I'm saying adult is because there's different ways that you support children as opposed to adults and we can definitely go over those things as well since I do have two boys that are on the spectrum that's something that I'm well versed in not that I know how to support all autistics but I know how to support mine Um, but anyway already going off the topic I'm 45 seconds in (laughs) living with an autistic spouse autistic spouse or partner or even a friend, uh, how can you support this person? Um, How can you strengthen your relationship? How can you find ways to be patient, compromise, and communicate? Um, So let's jump into it. So one of the things is respecting your autistic partner or spouse or friend's self-sufficiency. You know, autism comes with challenges, absolutely, but it doesn't necessarily hold people back from being able to take care of themselves or make choices from themselves. Uh, If we're in burnout or we're having struggles and challenges, of course, we may need help in those areas. But in general, you know, it's important to, you know, let the person do their thing. Resist the urge to jump in to help with tasks unless they're specifically asking you. You know, if they want something or they need help with anything, usually they'll let you know. There is a caveat to that, which I will get into later. It's okay to offer help to your person, to your spouse, your um, partner, if you think there's a need for it. Just remember to make them their own choices. So, for example, instead of, you know, if you see someone um, that's overwhelmed, instead of being like, let me take over, you can try, you know, saying something like, you look kind of stressed out by the noise, you look overwhelmed. Do you want me to take over so you can go somewhere quiet? You know, offering suggestions, not necessarily, you know, steam, steamrolling them and, um, you know, not forcing them to, but giving that them that opportunity and that space to make their own decisions, but offering support when there's need, a need. Having empathy, empathy for how your spouse is processing the world, you know, the environments with which we live in, you know, even in our own homes, but especially outside of the home, you know, the environments can be very exhausting, you know, loud noises, flashing lights, um, you know, a lot of sensory issues. If the person, if this person that we're talking about, the autistic person, uh, is tensing up or reacting negatively or, you know, seeming like they're getting angry out of nowhere, overwhelmed out of nowhere, just remember that this person isn't like acting out or misbehaving, you know, they're, um, they're processing the world right now and have empathy for that. Um, your spouse or partner may not be as social as you are and require alone time. That's the case with my husband and I, he's very much a social butterfly. He's an Aries you know, he's very extroverted. He can make friends in the, sh- you know, grocery line. And I'm the opposite. I'm like, please don't ever talk to me. Actually, don't even acknowledge my existence. Like, do, <laughs> do not perceive me, please. 
<laughs> so we're very different, you know, unless I'm in a safe place or I'm with someone that I'm comfortable with, then, you know, with any introvert, we tend to come out of our shell a little bit. But in general, you know, I'm not as social as he is. And I do require a lot more alone time and a lot more downtime than he does. Another thing you can do is focus on your partner's body language. So, you know, if they seem uncomfortable, if you're in a social setting, you can, you know, ask them like, do you want to leave a little bit early or, you know, ask questions to find out instead of just, don't make assumptions. Um, you know, either way, don't think that they're not enjoying being there if they look uncomfortable because they could be doing fine and their body language isn't syncing up to how they're actually feeling. That happens to me all the time. My youngest son will ask me, he's like, what, why is your face doing that? And he always like makes this kind of like frown concerned face. And I'm like, I'm, I'm totally fine. Sometimes my face doesn't match how I'm feeling. And I have to like keep telling him that. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he moves on. But I can see externally other people might look at me and be like, you look mad or you look concerned or you look, you know, what, whatever. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good. So check in, ask questions. Um, it may not be that their facial expression or their body language is synced up to how they're actually feeling. Um, you know, sometimes your spouse or partner might not prefer verbal communication. Um, they might be overwhelmed and, you know, go mute for a little bit in a social situation or if they're overwhelmed or upset about something. And in those circumstances, sometimes the best thing to do, and this is just for me personally, I can't speak for everyone, but the best thing for me is when I'm so overwhelmed that I can't speak, I need time. I need to process. I need to just chill out and zone out and not talk to anyone or answer any questions. Cause sometimes, you know, my husband will see that I'm overwhelmed or, you know, I'm not talking and he'll be asking questions like, what can I do? Um, can I get you anything? And that's like adding on to the overwhelm. Like not only have I, am I overwhelmed with what I'm going through, whatever that is right now, now I'm overwhelmed with, I have to ask questions and I have to think about what do I need or what do I want? And most of the times I'm like, I just need, I just need space right now. And not necessarily space from him, but like space from everything. Like, I need space from noise. I need space from light. I need space from existing. <laughs> like I just, I need to be left alone to process where I'm at right now. And he's pretty much picked up on that. We've been together for 12 years now. And so he's picked up on when I'm in a certain, you know, place of burnout or overwhelm that he'll, he will check in. He'll be like, are you okay? I'll be like, not really. I kind of just need some space. He does not take that personally at all. He's like, absolutely. He'll, you know, leave the room, close the door. He'll let the kids know, like, look, mom's going, going through it right now. So if we can, you know, not be as loud because we have a really small house, it'd be great if they could just live carefree and be wild all the time and it wouldn't bother me. But unfortunately in our small home, that's not always the case. I did recently, you know, within the last month or two, um, get some new noise canceling headphones and that has, helped my overwhelm and my sensory like issues so much because being in a small house there's only so much you can do to kind of shut out the noise and you know the things that are going on around the house and so I'm like I have to find a solution to this because it's not fair to my kids to be like I'm overwhelmed so you need to be quiet you know and it's like well they're kids they're supposed to you know like the, and there's a difference between 
just being wild and out of control and just doing normal kid things and just talking and giggling and doing their thing. And I don't ever want to disrupt them or make them feel like they shouldn't do that or they shouldn't, you know, exist and be having a good time, you know, but it doesn't, I have to be aware of the fact that it does when I'm in like burnout or I'm overwhelmed like that, any noise can like tip me over the edge. So my headphones have been really helping me out a lot. So I'm really thankful for that. Um, another thing you can do is, you know, seek to understand what your spouse or your partner or your friends everyday challenges are, you know, um, experience anxiety due to the pressures of social norms and or their reliance on routines and figuring out what adds stress to their life and paying attention to the way that they act throughout the day. And when you're becoming more familiar with their habits and their triggers, it's easier to kind of create this household dynamic that's going to be a little bit more calmer and at ease. Um, You know, learning to interpret body language is one of them we already talked about. Um, Considering how you're person processes speech. You know, I'm a very literal thinker, so I don't necessarily always pick up on sarcasm or jokes. I usually go literal first and then I'm like, oh, that was sarcastic or oh, that was a joke or even like the etymology of words and what words mean holds a lot of weight for me. Whereas my husband will just say words and say things and I'm like, I'll get like really upset or really offended. And he's like, what, what is that? What's happening? And I'm like, this word means this definition. And he's like, oh, like I didn't, that's not what I meant. I was like, well, then say what you mean. He's like, but I did say what I mean. It's just my idea of what that word means in your idea or the literal definition of that is different, you know? So over the years, we've had to figure out like, oh, we have different ways of communicating. We have different definitions of what things mean or you know, uh, certain things or phrases mean certain things to both of us. So we've had to have a lot of conversations about that because of the miscommunication about, well, to me, it means this and to you, it means that. And then there's this whole miscommunication. And before you know it, it's like an argument and when it didn't need to be, because I'm thinking of a different definition or a different interpretation to what he's actually saying or vice versa. So, you know, that's just one thing is asking questions when you're having conversations and not making assumptions. That's a big thing that I've had to learn in my relationships is not making assumptions of what people are saying or meaning. Even if they're using the literal definition, I cannot make the assumption that they are using it with the literal intention. So that's um, something. See if your spouse requires strict routines. Um, For me and many other autistic people, if routines are disrupted, it can cause a lot of distress. And so being able to reassure them and working with their schedule and their habits. And I get that it's not always possible. You know, things change day to day. You can't always have the exact same morning routine or the exact same same bedtime routine as you would like to have. You know, in a perfect world, you'd get everything you want. And I get that that's not always possible. But as much as possible, being able to maintain as much as a regular routine. Um, You know, even when we're out and about, I'll usually eat lunch around a certain time. So we try and accommodate that because if I don't eat, then I get like really overwhelmed. I start feeling nauseous. You know, there's these things that happen. And then before you know it, I'm like, my whole day is thrown off because 
I didn't eat within that hour time frame. So, you know, just being able to recognize certain habits and routines that may or may not have much wiggle room and just figuring out what that is and how you can accommodate those things is going to be very helpful. Asking if your spouse has different stimulation needs. So, you know, they may be hyposensitive, they might be hypersensitive. You know, um, my husband is a sensory seeker and I am a sensory avoider and we've learned this. And it's funny because both of our children, our youngest is a seeker and our oldest is an avoider. So, you know, my husband and my youngest will be out in the living room tickling and laughing and just like making the most noise that any two humans have ever made. And me and my older son are like hiding in our rooms trying to avoid that, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with them being seekers and us being avoiders, but just recognizing and seeing it for what it is is going to help out a lot, you know, if someone's just all of a sudden overwhelmed because there's too much noise, you know, you don't have to take it personally. It's just, they're sensitive. They're, there's, you know, a sensory avoider and there's too many things happening at once. One of the things I recently realized about myself in the last two years, which I didn't understand before, is if someone's talking to me when there are other noises happening that I, with an earshot, I cannot focus on it and then it makes me really angry. I don't know why. It's not that serious. Like someone's just trying to tell me a story and there's TV playing in the background, which my ADHD wants like, I want to have the TV going and listening to music and I want to be scrolling through my phone and I want to be listening to conversation. But my autism, I can only focus on one thing at a time. And if there's too many things happening at once, it's overwhelming. So I could do all those things, but if no one was talk, if no one was talking to me, but as soon as someone starts talking to me, the TV needs to be paused. The music needs to be paused. I have to put my phone down and I have to attend to that conversation to even process what they're saying and then be able to respond or even understand what they're saying. Because if I try and listen to them with all of that happening, it's like immediate overwhelm. And I get like really like hot and angry and overwhelmed. And it's like, what, what is the problem? I'm just trying to talk to you. And I'm like, I'm not upset because you're talking to me. I'm upset because I can't process everything that's happening right now. So that's just like a different need that I have that no one else in my family seems to have and that's fine but me recognizing that in the last couple years has helped me a lot that as soon as someone needs my attention or is talking to me the other sounds need to be paused or stopped or muted so that I can attend to that whereas before I'd fight through it and then get aggravated and it seems like I'm aggravated at the person that's talking to me when that's not the case at all. Um, Discussing your spouse's or your friend's uh, preferences and boundaries, asking what they need from you, you know, um, just simple things like a list of food that they don't like um, or things that they do like, Uh, establishing boundaries, you know, if they ask not to be interrupted when they're overwhelmed, you know, allow for that. Don't take it personally that someone needs time away from you or time not responding to a text or, you know, needs to leave a function early because they're overwhelmed. It has nothing to do with you. It just has to do with their own regulation and processing. You know, coming up with these solutions is going to help create, uh, you know, more balance. 
Again, avoid making assumptions about your spouse or your partner, letting your partner directly communicate what they want. And for me and a lot of other autistics, especially females, we don't know what we want. And it sounds funny and it's like, ha ha ha, you know, women don't even know what they want. But in you know, neurodivergence in a neurotypical world, being a female, you're told what you want. First of all, first and foremost, as a female. And so we're told you're supposed to want certain things. You're supposed to be a certain person. You're supposed to react a certain way. And there's like these unspoken or spoken rules about being a woman. And so, you know, being a woman in their mid thirties, it's not unheard of that it's like, we don't actually know what we want because we've never actually stopped to consider First of all, we don't want what we're told to want. And then second of all, what do we actually want? It takes a lot of time and unlearning to figure out like, what do we desire? What do we want? Like, yeah, we know some things that we want, but you know, in other ways, directly communicating about the things we want, it might actually take some time. We need to figure that out for ourselves before we can communicate that to someone else. Like, what do you want? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) I can't tell you that, but I'll try and figure it out and let you know. Make sure you have boundaries set up for yourself. You know, um, both people need to voice their needs, whether or not you're neurotypical with a neurotypical, neurodivergent with a neurotypical, you're both neurodivergent. Everyone has needs. Everyone should have boundaries and everyone should be able to voice their needs, whatever they may be, and find a way to make it compatible and find a way to, you know, bring those needs to a place where they're both understood and you're both able to get your needs met the way that needs to happen for you to both be happy and healthy. Talking about being openly autistic, you know, that's something that, you know, that's a big decision. And so, um, you know, maybe they'd like to be openly autistic to increase awareness and understanding. They might not, may only want a select group of people to know because we know that people can be judgmental or not understanding or you become overwhelmed with questions or, you know, judgments and some some people are not able to do that. I'm not fully out about being autistic. The people that I feel need to know, know, but I'm not going around telling everyone because I'm still very fragile and early on in my diagnosis. And I'm not in a place where I feel like I can just tell people and be able to face that judgment, um, that comes with it with some people. I'm not there yet. And that's okay. Um, you know, it's, everything's a process. Everything's, um, it takes time. And I'm hoping that one day I can be openly autistic and be able to confront those uh, judgments and those, um, you know, things that come along with people not fully understanding what that means. So, you know, having that conversation about whether or not they are openly autistic and respecting their choices about if they don't want you to tell somebody or if they don't really want you to, um, you know, go around talking about it or, you know, it's very important to respect those boundaries of how open they want to be with their diagnosis. Embrace your spouse's or your partner's talents and special interests. You know, practice active listening when your partner is talking about certain things that they're interested in. While it may not be something that is like amazingly interesting to you, it's important to allow space for that. Um, my husband, and I can't say whether or not he's neurodivergent. We're both assuming so. I mean, he is ADHD, but, um, so yes, he is neurodivergent, but as far as autistic, we don't know, but, um, you know, he is really into cars. He's been an auto mechanic for many years, you know, since he was a teenager, he's been into, you know, cars and vehicles and, 
everything that has everything to do with it. And to me, like, I'm, that's not an interest of mine, like, at all. I could probably change my oil if I had to. I could probably change a tire if I had to, but that's, like, the extent of my knowledge. And he's been talking my ear for 12 years about vehicles. So, you know, I try as best as I can to practice active listening and ask questions and be engaged. And I feel like I do a pretty good job of it. Um, but it's not something that's interesting to me. So I don't really retain a lot of that information. Whereas if she was talking to me about crystals, I would just soak it all up because that is a special interest of me, mine. So he'll talk to me about his car stuff and I'll talk to him about my crystal stuff. And some of the stuff leaks through on both sides. And we, But we both celebrate each other and our interests, even though we both know like your interest is not my interest. It's totally fine. You know, paying attention to their talents and their subjects that they're interested in. That's really all that's needed, you know, and then just words of information and praising your spouse, which is going to raise their self-esteem and, you know, you know, it's, it's exciting to them because if you have a special interest, you want to share a lot of information and that's a moment to have an opportunity to bond with them, even if it's not something that is particularly thrilling to you. Um, you know, try to engage with their interests. If they have a special interest in cooking, you know, help them research recipes that they'll enjoy making. Or, you know, if I see a car that I think my husband might be interested in on, you know, Facebook Marketplace, I'll show it to him. Or, you know, if he sees a really cool ring, he thinks that I might be interested, he shows me. And so we try and engage with each other and like, you know, let them know. Also, letting your spouse have time to focus intently on those things, whether or not they're your special interests or not. And deeply focusing on that stuff can help your spouse unwind. You know, my husband really enjoys like going out in the garage and tinkering with his stuff. And he's got many different special interests. He does, you know, auto stuff. He does um, blacksmithing. He, um, he has a whole bunch of like, it, it's all like action oriented interests that he has. He likes to do things. And so it's, it's great. You know, he'll go out there and he'll be able to unwind and kind of get into a little project and, you know, I'll go out there and check on him and be like, what are you working on? And kind of get some information about that. And it's just, it's a really nice way to support your partner, letting them have the time to focus on those things that they're interested in. Um, Another one is emotionally supporting your spouse when they need it. You know, checking in with your partner um, when they're going through depression or anxiety and, you know, validate their feelings and tell them that you're there for them. And, you know, oftentimes with men specifically, they're, they want to fix things. That's kind of like their function. They want to find solutions. And a lot of times with, with, you know, depression or anxiety or mental illness or, you know, the, the challenges that come with neurodiversity, there's no fix for them per se. It's riding the wave of what's happening in that moment. And so instead of trying to fix their feelings or let's hurry up and get you happy by doing X, Y, Z, validate their feelings and telling them that you're there for them. Um, you know, while they may not show it, they're going to appreciate that support that you were validating what they said and allowing them to feel their feelings. Make sure that, you know, if you're supporting someone that's autistic or neurodivergent, that you make sure that you have an emotional support for yourself too, especially if you're your spouse or your partner or your friend isn't able to meet those needs, you know, and or they have a mental illness. So having friends and family or therapy to rely on is important too. 
respect their need to de-stress and decompress. Um, quiet time, sometimes you need to be alone. Sometimes it's, you know, doing a quiet activity together, like parallel playing, watching a favorite TV show. Um, you know, a lot of times they'll, we'll need extra quiet time after social outings or changes to routine. And so like planning ahead and allowing, you know, extra quiet time, that's going to be important to keep them in a neutral place where they're not becoming overwhelmed. Supporting your person in social situations, um, step in and help if you're out and about with people and they're having trouble, you know, starting a conversation or not understanding someone's speech patterns or body language, you know, standing by their side, you know, changing the subject to bring the focus somewhere else and, you know, helping them smooth things over if they're not able to engage socially or they're getting stuck socially. Um, you know, if some, if they say something that is, comes off as impolite or hurtful, you can like pull them aside and let them know. Um, you know, most autistic people are never going to be purposefully impolite or hurtful unless you're being an asshole and they're <laughs> letting you know, but uh, you know, most, most people want to know those things like, cause we don't want to be that person and we'll either apologize, you know, after we understand the impact of our words or, you know, feeling remorse or trying to make sure that we don't do that again in another social situa- situation, um, avoid forcing your spouse or your partner outside of their comfort zones, keeping their r- routines and their stimming habits, you know, being able to self-regulate is very important. And, you know, in order to avoid a meltdown or a shutdown, you have to accept that they have to prevent sensory overload and let your spouse or your friend or your person decide when to try new activities or break habits. We always want to improve. We always want to grow. We always want to help, you know, the people in our life be better or do better, try new things. And while those are very great, you know, uh, achievements, um, it's important to let the person decide when they have the mental capacity and the wherewithal and the spoons to try a new activity or try a new food or, you know, break a habit, you know, looking out for them to be able to, to, you know, take that on. Cause you know, you change day to day and where you're at and your energy levels and what you can handle changes day to day. And only they know if they're in a place where they can try a new thing or break a habit or, um, you know, do something that's outside of the norm. Um, you know, learning, learning about autism, you know, um, unlearning common myths about autism and seeking out autistic friendly communities is going to, of course, be helpful, um, to, find community, to find, um, understanding, to understand your spouse, your friend, your person a little bit more. So I just wanted to go over some helpful tips about supporting an autistic spouse or partner or friend. Uh, if you have any other ideas or thoughts about how you can better support someone in your life that's autistic, um, more specifically an adult, I'd love to hear it. Um, my email is autisticadventures at yahoo.com. If you wanted to say hello, if you have any helpful suggestions or thoughts, if you want to give me any feedback or just say hello, I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you next time.